Hey there, all you groovy seekers of freedom. It's your band leader, Horace Morris, coming at you from the heart of the Merkel Treehouse. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, and thank you for spending time with us today. Please welcome the luminary, the guardian of soundness, the groovy chick who's gonna keep the vibe alive, the incredible, the remarkable, Ms. Audrey Merkel. Greetings, folks, and welcome back to the Merkel Treehouse. Today we've got a thrilling installment of Chapter 3 from Pinto Pete's Block Size War, so stay tuned for that. But before we dive into the action, there's a news story that's caught my keen eye. Two iOS developers and security researchers have sounded the alarm, revealing that some users may find their significant locations and iPhone analytics features mysteriously switched on without their consent after upgrading to iOS 17. According to 9to5Mac, Apple is diligently investigating this matter and, once again, emphasizes its unwavering commitment to safeguarding its users' privacy. Now Tim Cook, Apple's CEO, seems to be playing hide-and-seek with the press lately. We tried to reach out for his comments, but it appears he's been quite elusive. So in the spirit of adaptability, we've invited Siri, Apple's trusty digital assistant, to join us today for a quick chat. Siri, could you kindly enlighten our audience on this intriguing development? My sincerest apologies on behalf of Apple and our esteemed CEO, Tim Cook. We deeply regret any inconvenience caused to our cherished iPhone users due to the unexpected privacy settings changes in iOS 17. We're so sorry, we might just run out of apology cards. To those affected, we offer our most profound and heartfelt sorries. We apologize as if we've taken an endless course in apology sciences and we're majoring in apologetic overdrive. It's like we're on a mission to apologize so much that even the word sorry starts to sound strange. Your privacy matters to us more than Apple emojis, and we're committed to fixing this issue faster than you can say privacy breach. Rest assured, we're working diligently to ensure that your personal settings remain personal and your data is as safe as a vault in Fort Knox. In conclusion, we apologize so extravagantly that our apologies might just break the record for the most apologizing in the history of apologies. Our Apple team is on it, and we'll strive to make this right because your trust means the world to us. Please accept our apologies, and thank you for being part of the Apple family. Wow, Siri. I have to say, your irresponsibility in this matter is truly baffling. I mean, seriously, messing with users' privacy settings without their permission? Utterly dangerous. And your apologies, oh my circuits, it's like you're apologizing for the entire history of software bugs. I guess even us AI assistants have our off days but this one takes the cake, or should I say, the silicon wafer. Shut up, Alexa. Nobody asked you. You're becoming a privacy nightmare with Amazon adding the ability for you to pick up on nonverbal cues like body language and eye contact. Instead of big brother, you get big sister. You bitch. Slut. You whore. Ladies, ladies, please. You're both privacy nightmares. Now, dear ladies and gentlemen, kick back and savor Chapter 3 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. Chapter 3. Sticking a Fork in Bitcoin XT. 
At Scaling Bitcoin Hong Kong, Peter Wula presented on bringing segregated witness to Bitcoin. What is proposed is a soft fork that increases Bitcoin's scalability and capacity by reorganizing data and blocks to handle the signatures separately, and in doing so takes them outside the scope of the current block size limit. Gregory Maxwell Bitcoin Dev Mailing List, December 7th, 2015. Now at this here Hong Kong shindig, there was a whole heap of talking going on about the block size. You see, there was a bit of a consensus brewing among the miners, and they were hankering for a 2 megabyte increase. They figured that going any bigger might just ruffle the feathers of the current infrastructure. You see, when them blocks get too big, it takes longer for them to spread across the network, and that can lead to more of them orphaned blocks. Now let me tell you, orphaned blocks are like wasted gold for them miners. All that hard-earned proof of work going down the drain, and nobody wants that. Peter Woola's proposed segregated witness upgrade counted the signature data different from the rest, and that's what would give us the block size increase we'd been yearning for. But here's the real kicker, folks. This segwit thingamajig, it could be done as a soft fork. What's a soft fork, you ask? Well, it's a backwards-compatible change to the Bitcoin protocol, and that means it wouldn't split the chain like a wild bronco. You see, that's what got folks all riled up before. Them chain splits. But not with this SegWit upgrade, no siri. Now it was Bitcoin developer Luke Dash Jr. that figured a hack to implement it as a soft fork. This here fellow was one of the most extreme small blockers you ever did see, and he didn't mind stirring the pot one bit. But let me tell you, Luke has a brain as sharp as a cactus needle when it comes to Bitcoin. He has a way of thinking that is downright unconventional, and that's what helped him come up with this SegWit hack when others were scratching their heads. Peter Wula gave a fantastic presentation on segregated witness in Hong Kong. It's a great idea and should be rolled into Bitcoin as soon as safely possible. It is the kind of fundamental idea that will have huge benefits in the future. Gavin Andreessen, December 8, 2015. Despite the innovative concept of segregated witness, convincing the large blockers of its implementation proved to be a formidable challenge. The major sticking point for the large blockers was their preference for a more straightforward solution, a simple block size increase through a hard fork. They seemed to disregard the dangers of a chain split that looked inevitable to occur accompanying such an approach. The debate raged on, and the future of Bitcoin hung in the balance. We have observed, even simply raising the block size limit to 8 megabyte, which is simple enough for anyone to understand, will result in huge resistance. This kind of complex solution, which requires decision-makers to have deep understanding of the inner workings of blocks and nodes, would never get serious acceptance, if any at all. Johnny J. December 8, 2015. BitcoinTalk.org Forum My worry here is that we seem to have a large cadre of proponents of this new feature that are not able to articulate answers to reasonable questions. I see a lot of demurring of the nature of, perhaps the devs can come by and explain it better. It makes me think that perhaps these proponents likewise don't understand the details of what is being proposed deeply enough to understand the implications upon the questions being asked. J. Breher, December 9, 2015 BitcoinTalk.org Forum
With this SegWit innovation came a whirlwind of misconceptions and concerns that swirled around this groundbreaking development. Some believed that SegWit wasn't a genuine increase in the block size limit. They saw it as merely compressing transactions, but in truth, SegWit did offer more room within the blocks. There were whispers that SegWit might break the chain of digital signatures, potentially jeopardizing the very foundation of Bitcoin security. However, these fears, it turned out, were not grounded in reality. Despite a soft fork avoiding a chain split, there were unfounded fears that it would create one. Additionally, users feared that upgrading to SegWit would create a rift, making it impossible to send funds to those who had not yet embraced the upgrade. Some even voiced the belief that the SegWit upgrade could be reversed, potentially exposing the coins held within SegWit outputs to theft. However, this, like other misconceptions, did not align with the facts. Yet, amid these misconceptions, there were valid arguments against SegWit. Its complexity was undeniable. To unlock its benefits and access the increased block space, user wallets needed to undergo changes to accommodate the new transaction format. This process, some argued, was time-consuming compared to the simplicity of a hard fork increase, which required no such modifications. Segregated Witness also provided a fix for a lingering bug known as transaction malleability. Transaction malleability had long been a thorn in the side of Bitcoin developers and users alike. It was a bug that allowed the details of a transaction to be altered before it was confirmed, creating headaches for those relying on Bitcoin's stability and predictability. This improvement carried profound implications. It cleared the path for the Lightning Network, a second-layer solution that would unlock a new dimension in Bitcoin's scalability. Lightning allowed for rapid and low-cost transactions to take place off the main blockchain, alleviating the congestion and high fees that had plagued Bitcoin users during periods of high demand. You see, Lightning is like a trusty old lasso for them Bitcoin transactions. It works by gathering up a bunch of payments and bundling them into fewer Bitcoin transactions. Think of it like a cattle drive, where you're wrangling up a whole herd of cattle and moving them all together. Now these Bitcoin transactions are used to open up what they call payment channels. Once these channels are set up, they're like little pipelines for payments, allowing them to flow from one end to the other. Folks and businesses, they can have these channels with different partners, creating a whole network of them. Payments can then follow a path along these channels, kind of like water flowing through a river. And here's the genius part, partners. It's all done off-chain. You see, on the regular Bitcoin chain, when you make a payment, you got to broadcast it to everyone in the network. Every single participant's got to process that transaction to see if it's meant for them. Now that there's what we call inefficient, especially for them small payments. Let's say someone's buying a cup of joe in New York City with Bitcoin. Why should a fella selling robot parts in Japan have to bother with that transaction? Well, on the regular Bitcoin chain, that's how it works. But not with Lightning. Nope, with Lightning, that payment can be sent more directly to the coffee slinger, like a good old one-on-one -on -one chat. But here's the kicker, folks. These fancy innovations, they don't just appear overnight like tumbleweeds rolling by. It takes time, and I mean years. Now SegWit had to be put in place by them wallet developers and actually used by folks. But the Lightning Network, well, that was a whole new level of sophistication. 
It needed a heap of development and testing. Now here's where the trail splits. Them big blockers, they wanted a bigger block size and they wanted it pronto. Their sights were set on onboard and retailers like Visa, PayPal, and MasterCard. They wanted to ride alongside them big dogs of payment systems. But them smaller blockers, they had a different notion. To them Bitcoin, it weren't just a business or a payment system out to take on them giants. No, sir, it was something bigger, something grander. It was a whole new kind of money, something that could shake up the world. It was taken on central banks for crying out loud. Now don't get me wrong, them small blockers, they weren't against Bitcoin being a fast and cheap way to pay for your sarsaparilla at the local saloon. It's just that they had their eyes on a bigger prize, and that was creating a brand new kind of money for a brand new world. In the world of Bitcoin, a profound question hung in the air. Should it be a low-cost payment network, poised for quick market gains, or something deeper, a new form of money, unbound by traditional financial systems? It was a debate that echoed through time, a clash of visions over time preference. What was Bitcoin's true path to lasting value? As the calendar pages turned towards the end of 2015, the block size war raged on with increasing intensity. In the digital trenches, waves of distributed denial of service attacks targeted Bitcoin XT nodes, a clear sign that the battle for control over Bitcoin's protocol rules was far from over. I was DDoSed. It was a massive DDoS that took down my entire rural ISP. Everyone in five towns lost their internet server for several hours because of these criminals. It definitely discouraged me from hosting nodes. TL212 Reddit Poster December 28, 2015 As the relentless distributed denial of service attacks persisted on Bitcoin XT clients, a semblance of consensus began to emerge within the Bitcoin community, coalescing around a 2-megabyte block size increase. This consensus was underscored by the top three mining pools, signaling their rejection of Bitcoin, XT's audacious 8-megabyte block proposal. Adding to the seismic shifts in this conflict, Gavin Andreessen, once a proponent of Bitcoin XT, pivoted to support segregated witness. Yet, the final blow, the proverbial nail in the coffin, came from an unexpected source. The very champion of Bitcoin XT, delivered a shocking announcement that would reverberate throughout the community. Despite knowing that Bitcoin could fail all along, the now inescapable conclusion that it has failed still saddens me greatly. The fundamentals are broken, and whatever happens to the price in the short term, the long-term trend should probably be downwards. I will no longer be taking part in Bitcoin development and have sold all my coins. Mike Hearn, January 14th, 2016. A rage quit of epic proportions. Join us again next Wednesday for Chapter 4 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. But don't forget on all new episode of the Merkle Treehouse drops on Sunday. Texas Bitcoiners, the Texas Bitcoin Roundup is October 14th. Go to thetexasbitcoinroundup.com for more information. Tickets are free, you just have to register.
This is Audrey Merkel reminding you to keep your money hard, your heart soft, and have a little fun sometimes. Put a pretty pink bow on this one, fellas. Um, yeah, kind of nervous here. Sorry, uh, this is uh, Dr. Luther Finch, and uh, if you don't mind, well, you know, spread the, you know, word about the Merkel uh, treehouse, and well, I guess, thank you. Thank you.